This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome to it and a good afternoon to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. John Scholes here, Lior Sanfiru, co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin, LLP. They are the most positively reviewed employment law firm from coast to coast to coast, so you uh, you check that out. If you want to call through now over the next uh, 48, 49 minutes or so, whether you're in Calgary or Edmonton and BC or Alberta uh, on the whole, feel free to do so. And that number, as was just given out, toll free, 1-877-399-9898. You have questions about severance, your employment, your job, your boss, vaccine mandates. Can you have to get a vaccine? Can they tell you to? Can they let you go? Can they put you on a temporary layoff? All these questions Lior gets daily multiple times so feel free to uh, to reach out and call us now here during the show outside of that any other time here's a couple different ways you can do it in fact we're going to get to a ton of email on the show today that is help at employmentlawyer.ca real simple right another website free anonymous for questions and uh, information for you absolutely free and anonymous just said that pocketemploymentlawyer.ca and reach out afterwards if you want more of a uh, private, lengthy conversation with Lior and a member of the team and his firm. You can do that. one 821 5900 I'll give those out throughout the hour if you didn't get a chance to uh, write it down or tap it into your phone. But as mentioned, a lot of email coming down the uh, this afternoon on the show in between your phone calls. So bring them on. The phone lines are open. But we always get rolling with the week that was. Pal, how are you? I'm well, John. Thank you. And Sunday afternoon means it's time to learn about employment law. You know, mm-hmm. We all have jobs, uh, so we need to know about our rights on the job, our rights with our boss, or maybe what to do if we lost our job. Because a lot of people believe, John, I've heard this many times over the years, oh, yeah, we don't have good employment laws. No, nonsense. We have a good employment laws. We have very good employment laws. The problem was, is the people that say that there's no good employment laws, they just don't necessarily know what the law is, and they make assumptions. So don't make assumptions. If you have a question about your legal rights, pick up the phone right now, call the show, ask the question, I'll answer it. You'll be surprised about your rights, about your entitlements. I think our regular listeners already know that. There's a lot that you can do about your workplace problem, maybe because it's a vaccine issue and you're losing your job or being put on an unpaid leave. Maybe it's a temporary layoff, a regular termination. Maybe you're bullied or mistreated in the workplace. Whatever the issue is, there are laws that respond to that. Give us a chance right now, and we'll tell you exactly what you need to know. And, of course, as John said, you always, always have the the option to call me in the office for a private chat. John gave that contact information. He'll give it again throughout the show. But to get us started so that you see the type of issues that you can ask or that you may uh, need to know about, let me talk about some situations that came across my desk. First one I'll talk about, I spoke with a lady who was very recently put on a temporary layoff. Now, she was put on a temporary layoff because she was not vaccinated, and her employer said, well, because you're not vaccinated, we're going to put you on a layoff, but don't worry about it. As soon as the rules loosen up and we're able to bring you back, we'll do that hopefully in the next few weeks as the Omicron variant uh, hopefully fades away, we'll be able to call you back to work. So she called me, of course, and she wanted to know, can they do that? Can this uh, Omicron variant and the fact that I'm not vaccinated be used as grounds to lay me off temporarily? Well, no, it cannot. Keep in mind, John, 
she is allowed to work. There is no government mandate preventing her from working. It's her employer choosing not to have her work. Because of that, that temporary layoff is not allowed. She's able to treat that temporary layoff as a termination of her employment and right. get severance. She's been there, John, over 15 years. She could be looking at as much as 20 months of pay, 20 months of pay. So no, it's not allowed. And I know a lot of people that have been put in that situation. So let's be very clear. When it comes to vaccines, the question is this, is it your employer's choice not to have you work? In which case they have to pay you and they're not allowed to just do whatever they want. So is it your employer's choice? Or is someone else making the choice and your the decision and your employer really doesn't have a say? By someone else, I mean the government or maybe a third party that's forcing your employer's hand. But if it's your employer's choice and decision, if as a result of that you lose your job or put on a layoff or put on an unpaid leave, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. that's a termination. They have to pay you severance. So always ask yourself that question. And again, reaching out anytime to Lior when the show is not on, yeah, one 855 But here, now, toll-free, call us while we're, uh, we're working at the station, right? Toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. What else you got going on? Spoke with a gentleman that was let go uh, this week after three years of working with his employer. Now, uh, he had asked me uh, to, to give him an assessment of how much severance he's owed, and based on his age, position, and length of employment, I assessed him as being owed six months' pay, six months' severance. So I asked him, okay, wh what did they actually offer you? He said, well, no, they offered me six months. Now I took a look at that, and I thought, okay, that's great. Six months is exactly what you needed to be offered. But then I looked at it closely, John, and here's what I found. They, yeah, they absolutely offered him six months' salary. But this guy had a hefty bonus that he got every year. He earned commissions, he had car allowance, and he had benefits. None of those were accounted for. So even though the company offered him six months salary, because they should have offered him six months of total compensation, they underpaid him, or, or the offer was deficient by about $35,000. So it's very important to remember that it's, when it comes to severance, it's not just about salary. It's not just about benefits. It's not just about bonus. It's all of those things together. All components of your compensation must be accounted for in your severance. For this gentleman, the fact that he also got his bonus and, and benefits and commissions, yeah. that's an extra $35,000. That's why it's so, so, so important to get that advice if you lose your job. We don't have to just look at the number of months. We need to look at what's included in it so that you don't sign off on a bad severance offer. And you, you know, you often mention that too, going into the job in the first place with your employment contract or, or your uh, offer letter. People generally look at, yeah, okay, what salary is it? Okay, good salary. Yeah, maybe you get a bonus. Oh, look, I get my three or four weeks holiday. Okay, sign away. They don't think about the other, you know, the minutia where they should be looking at, right? Some the stuff that's far more important in the long run. So an employer is allowed to sneak in, I say. I say sneak <laughs> in, maybe it's not uh, quite that, but to, to include terms in an mm -hmm. employment agreement that are very unfavorable to an employee. For example, an employer can include a term that limits your future severance. That could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Your employer can include a term in that offer letter that allows them to change your job, your duties, your hours of work, your compensation. And if they have that, 
then essentially they could do whatever they want. So there's a lot of terms that could be in your employment agreement that are equally as important or even more important than whether your salary is 55 or 57,000 or whether you're getting two weeks or three weeks vacation. So as John suggested here, if you, lo- if you, you are offered a job, if you're staring at that piece of paper, you're excited, hey, new job offer, can't wait to start. First of all, congratulations. Second of all, send me a copy. Let's take a look at it. Let's make sure we understand what we're agreeing to because guess what? Often it's very easy to negotiate these terms that are not favorable out of the agreement. As mentioned, a lot of emails coming through the uh, the show this afternoon, so uh, feel free to send one along. If not, feel free to call us here live and talk to us, one 399 9898 We'll get to Fred here before we break. Right since says, hey, Lior, my employer found out that I was looking for another job. I was fired on the spot, and I have not been paid any severance. Am I owed anything? So the employer finds out that uh, he's looking for another job, and he's like, well, I'm not happy about that, and... If you don't want to work here, then we're not going to keep you. Out you go. Here's the thing, though. Yeah, the employer can let him go, but they have to pay him severance. The fact that he's looking for another job may may mean, you know what? I don't want you here anymore. You're gone. You're, you're, You're kind of dead to me. Fine. But you have to pay the person severance. That's no excuse to avoid severance. You only get to avoid severance if someone is guilty of very significant misconduct. And looking for another job is simply not that. So that's a wrongful dismissal, John. So this guy has got to call me. Uh, and, and an employer, yes, keep in mind, if you find out that someone is doing that, you're, you want them gone, you still have to be able to prepare, uh, be prepared to pay them the severance that they are owed. And welcome back, Employment Law Show. Good to have you along this afternoon, whether you're in Alberta or BC. Uh, thank you for joining the show and listening to myself and Lior uh, educating people about employment law, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the land, San Firu Tamarkin LLP. Reach out. Do not hesitate. They have helped tens of thousands of people get the compensation they deserve. How do you do that when we're not uh, doing the show? one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, as I mentioned, toll free. Call us, talk, one 9898 Callers, top priority. In that regard, Mason, thank you so much for hanging on for a, a couple moments there. How are you? Not bad. How are you? Brilliant. What's on your mind? Um, actually, it was it was another question, but since uh, he brought up the employment letters, it kind of falls into suit. If, if an employer gives you an employment letter and puts various aspects in there, such as... Uh, uh, probation period will now be 120 days, um, but yet the Employment Standards Act says 90 days. Can his employment letter supersede the Employment Standards Act? That's a great question, and the answer is absolutely not. You cannot contract out of the Employment Standards Act. So anything that uh, an employment agreement or any other contract says that breaches the Employment Standards Act is of uh, no force and effect. But an employer can do things that comply with the Employment Standards Act, but still take away rights that you would have otherwise. For example, your employer can limit your termination entitlements significantly. It still complies with the Employment Standards Act, but it's less than what you would get if it didn't limit you. So the fact that something complies with the Employment Standards Act does not mean it's good for you. In fact, it can still cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So my advice, Mason, as I was saying before, Anytime your employer wants you to sign a new employment agreement, whether it's a new job or if you're already working and they want you to sign something, let me take a look at it. Let me tell you what it means, what it does, and what risks you may be accepting. 
but in, in actuality, it, it, like it's just because you brought up the the, the offer letters, but um, it, it actually has to do with the, the union that I just started, and in our collective agreement, it, it's and and we follow the federal labor code, the, the because we're a federally regulated company. But it says right in there, it says that the probation period will be 90 working days. And under the federal labor code, I, I, I couldn't, I only found 90 consecutive days. So again, this would, would a union contract supersede law? No, it wouldn't, but it may not necessarily be what you're thinking because. What, what you're thinking in terms of probationary period under the federal statute has to do with when they can let you go without compensation. Determine your collective agreement probably has to do with when you would qualify for certain benefits. So those are very different things. But remember, if you're part of a union, the only one that can tell you if it's legal or not or to help you enforce your rights is your union. You can't have a lawyer okay. do that. It has to be your union. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, it, it basically states that they can let you go for any reason. With the, It's the... Uh, it's the same thing, but it just says ninety working days. So, um, but not not ninety consecutive days like most most places are. But I appreciate the call and, and thank you very much. And I actually will be calling your office on another matter. So, excellent, love to hear it. Thanks, excellent. Mason. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to to call through. We'll get down to uh, to Dan, I believe is next. Hey, Dan. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How are you guys? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, what's on my mind is um, um, a company that is transitioning to employee ownership. Um, they've they've been moving towards an employee ownership um, structure. Uh, there's shareholders and there is a numbered company within the company. What exposures do um, employees open themselves up to? And let's just um, a couple of questions are going to come out of this. So I'll start with the the low hanging fruit first is. What happens to an employee that's invited into ownership that has been there, say, for 10 years? They, they, they already have a tenure in of 10 years. They'll be invited into the ownership group. Um, what do you expose yourself to as far as, you know, severances and, and, and your benefits? And in the event, um, in the event that you, you, you are terminated, your performance drops off or circumstances change and you no longer want to be in that environment, do they still have to follow the same structure as severance goes, or is there something is there something different that happens when you're an owner or you know you're a share or, or working towards buying a, a share of a company? So then it has to do with whether or not they're going to change your employment status because you can absolutely be an employee and still be a shareholder, i.e. an owner of a company. No problem with that. But if they're saying, okay, being a shareholder means you become a, uh, an independent contractor, well, then you're giving up all your rights. So, and certainly the right to severance, that means that if they let you go, then you get nothing. Uh, so that's not a good thing and probably would be an illegal arrangement and expose you with CRA. Now, if they keep you on as an employee, the key here is not to sign an agreement where that gives away your severance entitlements. If you don't sign an agreement that gives that away, you're fine. So very important. If it comes with an agreement, make sure it doesn't sneak something in it that allows them to part ways with you with paying you little or nothing. Right now, you've been there a while. If they want to let you go, you're going to be owed a lot of severance. So you don't want to give that up. Very important to be careful with what you sign. Okay. 
Um, can I ask another question about disability? Um, and it's sure. a very brief one. Um, long-term disability, the, the, if, if someone has been on short-term disability, they qualify, they went through the process, they've been on short-term disability for the allotment of 17 weeks, they're now transitioning into long-term disability, and then all of a sudden the, the adjuster turns around and said, well, you're denied. We don't, we don't see you as being um, on long... You don't qualify or you don't tick all the boxes for long-term disability. Um, then they quickly make you an offer um, to uh, a settlement, a non-prejudice settlement, and help you transition into what would be called uh, compassionate leave with Services Canada. Is there some red flags there? Is there some things that, 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 that are being missed when you hear something like that? Absolutely, and we, we see this all the time. The question is this, should they have uh, allowed you to qualify for long-term disability? It's not a question of are they, and because insurance companies, let's face it, are in the business are of giving, uh, getting people off their payroll. If you have a doctor that says you're not ready to work, then they should allow you to, co- to qualify for long-term disability. And this financial offer that they're making is probably pennies on the dollar. So what, what happens in that situation? Well, once they know that you're not going to accept it, once we push back, they'll either say, fine, forget it, uh, no problem, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we were supposed to do, which is put you on disability as we should have, or that financial amount goes significantly higher. So my best okay. advice is let's connect after, uh, after hours or off air. We have a whole department at my firm just dealing exclusively with these disability matters. They're exceptional, uh, and uh, I would not accept anything in that situation. I assure you, you owed more. Okay, so when they label something non-prejudice, if, if the individual, if you took that, uh, your, your exposure is they're not going to help you out. If you sign on the dotted line and you take the cash payout, you can't come back to them with your hand held out later. And they did their Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Yeah, they did their job. was like, hey, we're not here to help you. We're here to help us. That's what I'm hearing. So I, I really appreciate if, the, if, uh, uh, if they offered you a dollar and you accepted that dollar, unfortunately, at that point, you can't change your mind. So it's extremely yeah. important not to accept or sign anything until we've had that chat because the chances of them actually offering you what you're owed is slim to none. Okay. And last and final question, and it's a great answer and I won't take up any more time. Do I have access or right to what the adjuster um, uses as a worksheet? Because, I, I, you know, they, when they get to this determination, and I get it, they're wired. Oh, I think we lost Dan there, so we'll try to get uh, Dan back. If you got to, if you got a moment, Dan, you can call us back. But we've got about a minute to go here before we uh, take a break, and we'll get to uh, Jane and Ted. But that that generally goes for uh, for anything, right, uh, Lior? You're not going to sign off on anything, and and without at least consulting you or or Savannah, remember the other side, especially when it comes to a settlement from an insurance company, right? Absolutely. By signing a document, you give up your rights. You can't change your mind or realize that down the road you made a mistake. So whether it's your employer or your insurance company, let's have a chat before you sign anything. And welcome back to the show. Appreciate you sticking through the break. Yeah, if, uh, if you've had time or don't have time to call in right now, uh, you want to reach out afterwards to Lior. We'd love to talk to you. one 821 5900 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But as mentioned, toll free right now. one 877 would be the way. Got to get to uh, to Jane. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for standing by for a couple of moments. How are you? I'm just fine. How are you? Great. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining the show, taking the time. Uh, how can we help? 
I don't know if you can help me or not, but uh, I thought I'm just going to throw my my uh, information out there and see if you can help me. Um, I have been working at a seniors lodge for the last over 28 years. Um, I was placed on a leave of absence without pay for refusing to uh, take my vaccine on the um, November the 1st, so I haven't been working since November the 1st. And I did contact my, I work for a union, uh, did did uh, look into the union and the union said that they couldn't do anything for me. And um, as the only the only um, thing a paragraph that in the union that is that is keeping me from they're they're telling me that with work, working for a union you really can't do anything to the employer because it's got to go through the union. I don't know if that's correct or not, but the only paragraph that's that's in the union that I can find that has made it that they aren't willing to help me is that if they signed off, if the um, uh, union stewards and so on, the president and so on have signed off saying that if there's a pandemic, then they're allowed to change the wording of the union. And I can't find that out whether they've done that or not. But uh, I'm just kind of at a loss as to what I can do here. I don't know if they're... um, they haven't said anything to me about about terminating my job or anything. As far as I understand, I think that they're still going to let me come back, but I just don't know how long that. So, Jane, let me let me make it unfortunately very clear because I know this can be confusing. In a unionized environment, the only one ever allowed to help you is the union. You cannot do anything on your own vis-a-vis your employer. You cannot hire a lawyer to deal with your employer. Uh, it has to be the union. And the problem with that, of course, is that the union may choose not to do something that they're supposed to, even though they can help. They may decide for political or other reasons not to do so. So can your union help you? Sure, absolutely. Uh, if they're choosing not to, your hands are, are tied. That's the unfortunate thing about being part of a union. There really are no, there's no other options or exceptions in that situation. So uh, the, the news always, and pretty much anything we talk about on the show really only applies to non-union employees for that reason. The reason is the employee can't do anything, a lawyer can't do anything, it has to be the union. Yes, and and I did understand that. I didn't know whether that was something that I could kind of go around or or if, you know, I I was, I did listen to, you know, uh, employment lawyer uh, talking on a program and and he he basically said the same thing. But I guess I'm just, I'm... (laughs) You know, I'm just kind of hanging in, in, you know, limbo here wondering what what's next. But if you can't do anything, if you can't give me any... I mean, certainly if they terminate my job, I can get severance pay, though. Correct? Uh, no, unfortunately, because the only way a unionized employee can be terminated is if there's just cause to let them go. So a unionized employee, if they're terminated, can get their job back. The union can grieve to get their job back. There's really no severance in a situation like that. So either they have a right to let you go, uh, in which case uh, you don't get anything, or they don't have a right to let you go, in which case the union has the obligation to grieve for you. But in that situation, if the union chooses not to grieve for you for whatever reason, then you're left with no option, no severance, or any compensation. That's the unfortunate thing about being part of a union. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, then. Thank you, Jane. Appreciate uh, appreciate your time. And again, the toll-free number today, like Jane just used there, one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight would uh, would be the way. Going to move on down to Ted. Hi, Ted. Thanks for hanging on for us. How are you? Thank you very much. Very, very good. Thank you. Thank you. You have a very good show. I enjoy it very much. 
Appreciate it. I have it. a couple of questions I want to ask. I've been with Great. this company since 2000. And for 18 years, I have my own company that I worked on. One was Ikikon Contracting. The other one, the recent one was Ted Benson Contracting Limited. And uh, I, 2018, my company was uh, no more existing. So because my accountant told me, you cannot do this. You have to work for these six companies because in, in order to be a self-employed company, I only worked for one company, so I had to uh, cancel that and go work for them on uh, payroll. So my question is, so I worked for them for 20 years. One was uh, under mine, one was under theirs. So am I, am I entitled to any kind of money from them? Okay, I'm not sure I understand. Were you let go? I finished the last job for them October 16th, and I said, I'm going to take some time off. I'm, I was already retired, so I was on pension already. So I said, I'm going to take some time off, and when you get something, pull me back, and I'll get back to work, you know? Okay, so, so you said in October that you want to take some time off. They said yes, and then you tried yes. to go back to work? Yes, for them again. And, uh, well, we don't have much work. We're not quite busy, which is okay. I understand that. And uh, they know I'm on pension, so they're going to give work to somebody else that needs it more than I do. Okay? Which I'm okay with that too, you know. And, and when right they, now, when I'm, they, when you took time off, they they approved it. It was never supposed to be that you're yeah. quitting. It was just you're going to be off for a little while with their approval. Right. So I went on EI also too. So which I was on EI for ten months, which uh, expired. In, okay. Uh, then no. Unfortunately, no, because you you wouldn't be able to go on EI if it was just a leave of absence. You would go on EI if if you. Uh, you, you were let go, so uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's a situation where you could get anything because you made the decision to, to not to work there for a while. So unless you can show that there was an agreement in place that they will bring you back, I think that's going to be very, very tough to do anything here. You usually get compensation from a company if they voluntarily or if they decide to let you go. Right. But if you're the one that says, I'm be away from work, at that point there's no compensation that's owed. Actually, my boss told me today, he said, you want to come to work today? <laughs> you know, this, but this, this only for one day. The last job I did, they had some problem, problems over there. So he needed me over there today. So I said, no, I can't. I got okay. stuff I got to do today. Yeah. But yeah. it's your phone, so yeah. we're still in touch. So, But you say, no, there's no chance okay. for me Sounds to get good. any kind of... Is that what you say? I said, the, the only way you can get compensation is if you can show that they are the ones that decided you're not going to work there anymore. If you can show that, then absolutely. And after 20 years, you could be owed two years' pay. But from the sounds of it, if you're saying that you're the one that decided not to work there to be off and then wanted to try to come back to work, it doesn't look like it's a, a, a termination type of a situation. Ted, appreciate the time and the call. You can reach out as well. Still have time. one 9898 We'll uh, bounce over to an email before we take a short break here. Rob uh, writes in, again, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's email address. It says, can I be fired after eight months of working at a job after they falsely accused me of something I didn't do? I was only given one week's notice. So... Can he be let go? Can Rob be let go? The answer generally is always going to be yes, because you can't physically stop your employer from letting you go. The real question is, can he be let go without compensation? Or put differently, is he owed more than a week's pay? 
Well, if he was not, if he was falsely accused of something, that means that he didn't do anything to deserve being terminated without compensation. So after eight months, depending on uh, Rob's age and the type of job that he did, he could be owed anywhere from two to six months of pay, not a week's pay. So Rob, unless you did something terrible, and you're saying that you, you were falsely accused, so unless you did something terrible, you're owed a lot more than a week's pay, anywhere from two to six months. And that's an important uh, time, or it's a good point to remind everyone that just because you work for a company for a short period of time, a few months, doesn't mean that you're not owed a significant amount of severance. Even after working for a company for a few months, you could be owed a few months severance. So very important to get that advice, especially if you're a short service employee. You'll be surprised at just how much severance you are legally owed. Roger, see you standing there, or at least hanging on the phone. We'll get to you after a short break, which we'll take now. You want to reach out and ask a question as well? Still got time, one 399 toll free, of course. We'll continue Employment Law Show. We still got time, as mentioned. Yeah, toll free one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Roger, thank you so much. You are up next. How are you? Okay, doing just great. Calling from Calgary, and excellent show. Really good. Uh, I can't believe it's a what a paid commercial because it's very very informative. I had the similar uh, concern that the lady about the extended care that she'd been in employment. I had I work at a manual labor company, and I hurt my arm. Not related to the job. The union directed me to a physician who examined my arm and said, no, I had to be off for six months. That physician retired. It was directed by the union to see him. And now I went to see another doctor because my arm feels better. It's been about three and a half months. I'm ready to go. I talked to my employer, but the union has it all tied up. And they've said, no, you're going to have to wait the six months. It's no sense to keep going to the doctor to get a clean bill of approval. And I'm just saying is, is that it's really difficult, the red tape that the unions create, in terms of, you know, I, I just want to, I, my, my employer has said, like, basically, I'm good to go, but we got to wait because I don't want to have any issues from the union. And I don't know what my recourse is. Can I, uh, can, uh, like, it's a neat, pa- like, uh, I don't know if, if the union has this much power over, you know, my abilities here, like, and what I want to do. I want to go back to work. They're saying, no, our doctor, and by our, I mean in quotes, like, our doctor, the union doctor who's retired, said you're supposed to be off for six months and it, what a what a bunch of red tape that i'm facing you know what i'm saying and i just uh anyway i, I think you guys got a great show i, I just uh it, 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 so it, roger the, the only thing before. the only thing you could try to do is to to threaten the union that you're going to file a complaint against them at the labor board it's called a duty of fair representation complaint so in other words they have to, to look after your interest it's called duty of fair representation. Duty of fair representation. Okay. Okay. So unions don't like that. Now, the chances of you actually winning that are very small, but oftentimes just the threat of it kind of greases the wheels a bit. So what I would do is say you, you have an obligation to look at I checked into it, and I'm not Go joking. I got some very bad feedback from union members, very bad feedback. I don't want to get into personal stuff but really, really bad feedback. Not heavy-handedness with egging the house or any of that kind of stuff, but from some very stern words when I just went in there. Like, I just thought, it's a real, we're up against, I, I, you guys are in the same boat, I mean, we're up against the same thing. It's just that, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try to take that, but should I get a lawyer? Should I, like, well, I, I mean, this is incredible. I'm no, just a blue no, you, 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 you know? there's nothing to do 
with the lawyer. So you send an email saying, you have an obligation to look after my interest, which is for me to get back to work as soon as possible. Uh, you, you're not doing that. You're not helping me work. So uh, if we can't get this straightened out, I'm going to have no choice but to file a duty of fair representation complaint. Now, if that doesn't work, unfortunately, Roger, you're, you're out of option. Uh, that's the problem with being part of a union. The union has a lot of power. They have the you agreement have with the employer, not you. So there's not much that you can do. Oh, God. Okay, well, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it. We feel the, uh, <clears throat> we feel the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the stress in his voice. You've heard this so many times, but as you keep echoing, uh, Lior, you know, when it comes to union matters, they can't really go outside. They can go outside and, and, and seek your help, right? No, they cannot. And uh, yeah. no one has the ability to deal with the unionized uh, employer uh, other than the union. So there's no option, no exception. So, you know, w- when it comes to union, we call that labor law. We talk now here this show about, about employment laws, the employment law show. Pretty much everything you hear about, you know, you got to do this or these are your rights. That applies to non-union employees. So that's why uh, that distinction between employment law and labor law. Want to slide in a call? You can. you got a few minutes to go. We're going to do it now. You might as well. Toll free, 1-877-399-9898. Get to uh, Ben's email. Uh, Ben says, I quit my job because my employer never paid me for my statutory holidays and also refused to pay overtime. I asked for payment many times, and he always promised that he would pay, but never did. Is there something that I can do to get the money owing? So, yeah, absolutely. To get the money owing in that situation is actually simple. Either a letter from me does it, or you file a complaint uh, with the appropriate uh, branch uh, at the Ministry of Labor in, in your province. Very, very easy to do. But there's a bigger issue here. And here's that issue. When we work, there's, it's a pretty simple deal we have with our employer. We come into work, we do our job, and in return, our employer has to pay us everything they owe us. That includes, of course, overtime and includes statutory holiday, etc. So what happens if the employer doesn't live up to their bargain? They don't pay overtime properly. They don't pay your holiday pay properly. Well, they've broken the deal. Because your employer's broken the deal, you can choose to treat that as a termination of your employment. So in Ben's situation, he quit because he was frustrated he wasn't getting paid properly. Can't blame him. But the law looks at it as a termination. So even though Ben is the one that said, I'm, I'm gone, I'm quitting, the law considers it to be as if Ben was let go by his employer because it's his employer's fault. So not only is Ben owed the statutory holiday pay and the overtime that's outstanding, he's also owed severance because he was terminated. So Ben has to give me a call. To get severance, you can't go to the government. Government can't help you with that. You have to go to a lawyer. If you don't like me, you, then I'll refer you to someone else. That's okay. But to get severance, you can. You have to get a lawyer. And by the way, yes, even if you quit, if you quit because your employer did something to you, mistreated you, didn't pay you properly, in that situation, it's still a termination and severance is still owed. Let's get to TJ. says that, Leor, I got into an argument with my boss and was fired on the spot, no compensation. I've always been a good employee and have worked for the company for five years. Can I get my job back? Unfortunately not. Uh, you cannot get your job back uh, if, uh, if you kind of quit unless, and here's the, the, the big one, unless you take that, that kind of resignation back after, quickly after, after the fact. So if you uh, kind of resign in the heat of the moment, say, ah, you can't believe you're treating me so badly, I'm out of here. 
and turn around, get home, my gosh, what, what did I do? You contact your employer, say, heat of the moment, my bad, I want to be back to yeah. work. At that point, if they don't take you back, well, that's a termination again. So you can take back a resignation as long as you do it quickly, before the company actually relies on it. So in the first you know, couple of days, if you do it two weeks later, too late. So if it happened just now, yeah, TJ can get potentially his job back. And if they don't take him back, he can get severance. If it's been more than a couple of days, unfortunately, there's not much that you can do. Mina, you're up next. Anytime, by the way, you want to reach out to Lior with a question on email, you can do so. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and the phone number to uh, talk after the show, 1-855-821-5900. Mina says, I have been on a medical disability uh, leave for three months. My employer is putting pressure on me to return to work. They say that the business really needs me. I'm afraid that if I don't return, I won't have a job there anymore. Do you have any advice for me? Sure. Well, I guess it's nice to be needed, but it's certainly <laughs> inappropriate for an employer to do that. What happens with me is if she's off work because of a medical condition, she has a right to be off as long as she needs to be off and uh, her employer can't do anything about it or threaten her or, or, or fire her because she's off on a leave, whether she needs to be off for three months, six months, or a year and a half. As long as her doctor says she needs to be off, that's all that matters. So what would I do here? Mina, I would simply tell your employer, can't do it. I'm not going to be able to come back to work until cleared by my doctor. I'll let you know when that is. And then don't worry about it. Don't worry about the status of your job until you're ready to return. Okay? Because there's no point trying to figure out now what's going to happen in some unknown date in the future. We deal with your employment once you're ready to come back to work. Once you're ready, you tell your employer, hey, I'm better now. I can come back to work. If at that point your employer doesn't take you back, that you're owed severance, that could also potentially, depending on the circumstances, be a human rights violation. So we deal with that then. For now, don't be intimidated. Tell your employer you can't work if that's the case. Make sure that they have your doctor's note and then simply work on getting better. Give you a minute for this one. Richard says quickly, about to leave my current job to take another position, different company. Very difficult decision because I've been with them for 10 years. Anything I need to watch out, uh, watch out for when I sign that new employment agreement? Absolutely. We talked about employment agreements at the top of the show. Especially important if you're uh, taking on a job where you're working somewhere else. Make sure there's no probationary clause if you're taking a new job and you're leaving a secure job. Make sure that you're not giving up future severance entitlements. Make sure that there's no non-compete that can impact you in the future. Make sure that there's no terms that allow the company to change the terms of your job and compensation. So those are a few things you need to watch out for. It's more than just salary and benefits and bonus. And that much more important to get advice and actually speak to me before you leave that secure job, okay? Be smart. Be sure you know what you're signing. Done for another day. Appreciate you chiming in. All your phone calls and emails. How do you reach out now? one 821 5900 Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Just go to employmentlawyer.ca, the media tab, if you want to catch our long-running TV show. And there's always a website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.